0: and welcome to episode number 44. You're listening to the Wilderness Tamer podcast and thank you so very much for continually tuning in. Now my guest this week is Michael McCullough. He came on the podcast back in September to talk about his Alaskan brown bear and moose hunt. It was an interesting story. If you want to check it out, it's further up my playlist around September. Can't remember the certain the episode number, but y'all can find it. Now, this episode, we decided to talk about the Mighty Thunder Chicken, since it is turkey season. And we talk a little bit about other stuff too, from fly fishing for trout, and whitetail hunting, and all in between. Even got a little political a little bit, but it's okay, it's just part of it. But before I let y'all go to enjoy this episode, let me give a quick shout out to the sponsors. First off is Dry Pocket Apparel. They are the future of swimwear that come with an integrated dry bag as a pocket with a self sealing magnetic strip certified to go a hundred feet down. And it will keep your phone dry as a bone. So go check them out on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and as well as drypocketapparel.com. Now, while you're checking them out and looking through their website and you see something you want, use promo code Wilderness, to get you 25% off your order. So, thanks to everybody for tuning in and listening to the podcast. This was a fun episode, and I want to thank Michael for coming on. I truly enjoy the conversation. Y'all have a great weekend, and stay tuned. More episodes are to come. Hey, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 44, Talking Turkey. Let's get Michael McCullough on the phone and get this podcast rolling. Hey man, how are you?
1: Good, good. I'm good.
0: Thanks for coming on the podcast again, taking the time.
1: Yep, no problem, buddy. All
0: right. So, uh, so how did it last since we talked last? How did your deer season end?
1: Uh, deer season was good. I I uh, ended up uh, uh, shooting a nine point during rifle season. I ended up uh, shooting a, a nice, really nice eight point, but never recovered him with during
0: uh bow season ah, i know um, the feeling i missed my biggest yeah. buck of, of my hunting career the rifle season this year well you know i mean if you're a hunter you know it's gonna happen I, i'm like knocking you. him down i thought i'd hit him but when we got down and found blood we tracked that sucker for a thousand yards and he crossed the property line from a wma to private and he was yeah. just dripping by then so we just called it but it is what it is
1: yeah exactly and and uh yeah, you know, that's what happened to me during archer season and and uh, then I ended up killing uh, I killed two nice big does during the rifle season so I ended up getting three deer this fall. Heck yeah! You
0: know. How many so, deer can y'all kill in a season?
1: Well, up here if, uh, well, every other year because they go uh, with doe tags, they go by preference points. Mm. So, like this past fall, I had my preference point. I had five tags, so I could kill two bucks and three does. Now this year, I, I'll, you know, this year they'll give me four tags. They won't give me five. So this year I can kill four, you know, and next year I'll kill five, and then the year after that they'll give me four tags, and then the year after that they'll give me five tags. Okay. So I, I, you know, you know, killing, you know, if I kill three deer, uh, in the fall, I'm, I'm totally happy.
0: That's a lot of meat.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> a lot mean. of meat. Especially you y'all know.
0: deer, they're healthy. I'm pretty sure they're a lot thicker than they are down here, which we got some big yeah. ones. But y'all got that colder weather, and it'll make them bigger.
1: Yeah, I'm not, you know, and and the way I hunt, I, I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not a game hog, so mm. you know, I, I mean, I have a lot of respect for wildlife. I like to play on their terms, and uh, so if I kill two or three year, two or three deer a year,
0: <laughs> say that you know, three times fast.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I you know, I'm happy, but I mean, you go. I live just 15 miles north of PA, you uh-huh. know, and 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 down there, you can only kill two deer. You know, Damn. you can, you can kill, you know, you kill one buck during archery season. You can't kill one with a rifle, Jeez. you know, you, you can kill a doe, but that's it. So up here, and I grew up in Pennsylvania and I moved up here in New York. So, you know, I'm, I, I you know, the hunting's good up here in New York, you know, because I've they always heard me, that,
0: but aren't they like yeah. California where they got a little bit of wonky laws a little bit?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I you know I like to hunt up here in New York. I can kill four or five deer. I can kill two turkeys. I can kill squirrels, grouse.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know. So I mean, I live to hunt. So I'm happy.
0: I heard that, man. That's good to hear. Now I got another question. How'd your moose uh, mount and your bear turn out? Did you? What was the story on that? Because I remember you were getting kind of worried there last we talked.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, my. My moose and bear finally showed up at the taxidermy that Monday. Uh, awesome. Showed up, showed up uh, six days later. Oh shit! Um, <laughs> yeah, but they were good. They were good. Um, and um, you know, as soon as he got them, he started fleshing uh what was left on the bear hide Mm. um and he sent it to the tannery sent the moose hide to the tannery. I got my bear back. I got my bear back last month in March. So he's sitting in the cabin right now I'm looking at
0: it. I say that was that was a sick mount. I remember seeing it on Facebook. That's cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I'm glad I'm glad that everything turned out and next month during turkey season, uh the month of May uh,
0: I get my moose back. Heck, yeah. So, Which I imagine that's a little bit more than a white, too. I could only imagine how to oh, taxidermy that thing, right?
1: <laughs> weighs a damn yeah, ton. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, every, you know, um, a, a, a log cabin. I live in a log cabin that I built 20 years ago. A log cabin is not complete until you get a moose hanging on the wall. Oh, amen to
0: that. Yeah, that's like the final cherry on top.
1: Yeah, so I've got I've got a lot of turkey. I've got seven, eight turkey mounts in the house here. Three bear mounts and a bunch of deer heads and and uh, um, you know next month I finally get to put a moose head over my fireplace in the cabin.
0: Heck so, yeah, man! Uh, I'll say it sounds like you've done checked a bunch of boxes. I got on my list. That's what I'm gonna yeah. try and do a bear hunt for a black bear here in around North Georgia somewhere, they say Ella yep. J is like the bear capital just because their population is so much, so dense up there. Yeah. So I'm a, my cousin killed a real nice one up there, but he said it'd probably be the last bear he killed too because it was a venture to get that thing to the truck, get it skint. And plus uh, I think you got to like call the DNR and tell them you shot one and all that because it's highly regulated down here in Georgia.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a lot of work when you get into those big game animals like bear, you know, uh, elk, you know, uh, even mule deer. Mm-hmm. You know, those, those bigger game animals. I mean, it's it's a lot of work to to you know even start the process of hunting them, and you know then when you hunt them and kill them, it's a lot of work to get them out. A lot of times you got to quarter them, you got to have horses. Yep. Or you know, if you're packing them out, like when I went to Alaska, I mean, we had on that moose, we had eleven loads. Oh, you I know? could
0: only imagine. It's know, like and it's probably like a hundred pounds each.
1: Yeah, and there were three of us, so and we had a two mile hike back to to the spike camp. You know, so it's it's a lot of work involved, and so that's part of the process,
0: know, though. That's the success. It's like a backhanded yes. compliment. It sucks, but man, you're grinning the whole time.
1: Oh, absolutely! You know that's what makes a hunter. If if you if you put all this this planning together to do a big game hunt like that, and you're successful, and as soon as you as soon as you kill it, you know all of a sudden your mood changes and your demeanor changes to to negativity and you know, being miserable because you got to pack an animal out, you you shouldn't be doing this. You should not be hunting because this is what, you know, this is what hunting is all about. Hunting is not about just pulling the trigger on an animal. Yeah. You know, you know I, I've had guys tell me, oh, yeah, when you shoot a deer, the work begins. And I'm like, I, I don't think of it that way. You know, I, I'm nothing but smiles and and mm-hmm. joyful and happiness all the way back to the truck or all the way back to the cabin. Hell yeah! You know, <laughs> and that, that's that's why that's why I enjoy. I I love cooking. I love grilling. I love you know going down to the trout stream and catching trout or deer mm-hmm. hunting. And doing all that stuff so I can cook it out here, you know, do different ways of cooking and smoking.
0: Yep, um, just trying different recipes like and finding, like you say, just find new ways to cook it.
1: Yeah, I love Cause all there's that. there's so many you know?
0: different kinds of recipes, you just gotta be yeah. able to venture out there a little bit. Yeah. Now, you brought up trout fishing. I saw you went on a pretty good trout fishing trip up there. It looks like you caught a bunch of what I'll call two-handers, where you got to grab the front and the back. <laughs> <laughs> Down here in Georgia, yeah. we're good to get one to reach our wrist and the tip of our finger, which they're there, but you got to work for them.
1: Yeah, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I fished last weekend. I fished uh, New York. Uh, New York mostly put. Uh, they stocked their streams with brownies, and mm, that's what and I was about
0: to ask too. It looked like they were a little brown trout
1: yeah i I yeah uh, here in new york and and I did pretty good on the first day and then uh the following weekend, I went down to my buddy's place down there in trout run pennsylvania and we fished for two days. We fished thursday and friday and and uh we we caught our limit. And, um, uh, you know, down there, they, they put in mostly rainbows and uh-huh. some browns. you know, and, and we, we fish those smaller streams and I caught, I caught, you know, down there in PA, I caught all my trout on salmon eggs. Yeah, the muddy, man. It, it, it was tough because they, you know, we got over an inch of rain and, um, uh, and the water got muddy and it got high, but. I still nailed them on that salmon
0: so. egg. Oh, yeah. They still got to eat, no matter if the water is that bad or uh, not. I was going to fish exactly a tournament it. in uh, Helen, Georgia, where they released a bunch of stocked and fish that have tags. I mean, it was a $1,000 payout if you caught the biggest one. But, yeah. uh, man, up there, it rained real bad. And like you said, it swelled up and people were still fishing. And we were catching them, too. It was fun. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, well, life has to eat, you
0: know. Now, were y'all fly fishing or just using regular spinner rod?
1: No, just use. I I do fly fish. I love to fly fish. But, um, you know, the thing about New York and, and Pennsylvania, I'm not an expert fly fisherman.
0: Me either, uh, even though I like to do it.
1: <laughs> right. But, you well, know, New York and, and PA, they open their trout season up early. And, you know, it's still cold here. Mm-hmm. We still got snow on the ground, and the water's cold. So – um, you know you, well, that's you when don't... the trout
0: perform best though that's what me and dad learned, are kind of learning which I like catching yeah. them in the spring too because you can wade but we went on a yeah, camping but... trip here in North Georgia here recently and it snowed about a good five inches on us and it was fun yeah but buddy let me tell you
1: something when you're talking Georgia to Pennsylvania. Oh, people. I know.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Oh, trust it, me. That's like apples it, to
0: onions. Totally different. You
1: know, <laughs> you, know you get five inches, but 70 degrees down there. Uh-huh. You know, it, my, most of the time, well, I'll tell you this right now. When Last week, I left the cabin here on the first day of New York trout season. When I, when I went down my driveway at 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm looking at the temperature inside my truck Mm -hmm. and it's it said 41 degrees and i'm like holy shit yeah
0: it's
1: (laughs) it's never been this warm in the last 20 years damn Yeah, this is a warm day but now 41 degree now 41 degrees in georgia is cold
0: yeah and especially the wind it'll rip right through whatever you have
1: Right. So what I'm telling you is normally when the trout season opens up in New York up here, uh, and I've been down the stream down here, uh, below my house with my daughter, uh, uh, fishing on the first day of New York season. Mm -hmm. It's, I remember it being 17, 18 degrees to where you're actually, when you're fishing, uh, and you throw out there, uh, a couple times to try to catch a trout. When you're reeling it in, you've got ice buildup on your islets. I was just,
0: eyes. yes. I've actually been there Ooh, at yeah. that point in Georgia. Like I say, it's around Helen. And, and we've had that happen to us before where ice was forming in our islets. It was so freaking cold. But we were tearing now, them see,
1: up. Yeah, see, that happens every year. But this year, but this year, didn't in New York. But when I went down, that was on the first day. That was a Friday. So Friday night, I left to go down to PA. They were calling for colder temperatures. Saturday was the opening day of PA trout season. When I was, And you can't start fishing till 8 o'clock in the morning on the first day of PA trout. When I was fishing, I had to stick the tip of my rod in my mouth to, to knock the ice chunks out of the olives of my rod.
0: Damn. Heck <laughs> yeah. Are y'all yeah, waiting I'm or just bank to, fishing, too?
1: Yeah, well, see, we're used to that, and, and you know, and and so as a fisherman, when you're used to that, you learn to run your spinners or your bait real slow. Mm-hmm. Got to be on the bottom, and it's got to be slow. because yeah,
0: you want that blade barely thumping. I mean, it looks like it's just enough to get that thing to spin.
1: Exactly, because those fish won't hit it unless it's bumping, like you said
0: Mm mm-hmm now that's really cool so y'all use like rooster tails and salmon eggs and stuff like
1: that i use salmon eggs um my favorite spinner is the uh panther martin Mm -hmm. Uh, i uh panther martin up here see up here in new york they they stock with uh brown trout and the panther martin man you'll clean up with uh with the panther martin now you go down to pa they most they mostly stock with a rainbow. And I was telling my buddy that I fish with down there in PA, I said, you know, I fished both states for the last forty years. And, you know, like New York, they mostly stock Browns. Down there in PA they mostly stock rainbows and brookies. Yeah. You know, and that you know, when you go from one state to the next, you have to you have to switch up a little bit
0: you want because, like a heavier weight rod or like the tactical well, fish in general? The,
1: the the bait and everything because, mm-hmm. be, because the streams up here in New York are different. That's why they stock the browns. And you go down to Pennsylvania and they stock rainbows and brookies because, if, you know, the streams are in the mountains, so it's a little rockier.
0: So I was just about to ask that. Are y'all streams like more like – got more like boulders, like the size of a grapefruit kind of or – or is it cause ours down here is just be like big boulders with sand mixed in between.
1: In Pennsylvania, it would be boulders and rocks and stuff. Up here in New York, you got most of your streams are, are slow running, uh, dirtier streams. Yeah. And and the Browns the Browns prefer that over the rainbows of Rockies. Yeah, they're a little so more aggressive the fish. Difference.
0: They remind me more of a largemouth, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, so you kind of, you know, I, one thing that I learned, you you have to you have to learn your species is the way that you you kind of fish. You know, I'll kind of fish a little different uh, down there in PA, PA than I will up here in New York, all because it's a different species of trout. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, some people would laugh at me and say you're crazy. You know, because you you could probably use the same technique up here in New York that you could down in PA, but you know I live to do this stuff. Yeah. You know, so I I notice I notice it's not the same. I notice that I don't I don't pick up trout as quick. I don't catch trout as quick down in PA, than I do up here in New York, and you know it it's like you know. When I'm up here in New York and, you know, when I was up here in New York on the first day, I caught my, my limit within, you know, 30 minutes.
0: What was but, your biggest fish?
1: Oh, I think uh, 16 inches.
0: Ooh, man, that's a good one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's but a then, real good one. But then, but then the next day, the, the very next day, that night, that night I left for PA and I fished for the opening day of PA and I got skunked. I couldn't catch. I couldn't catch a pet.
0: That's how it goes, though. I mean, you can literally do that. You can lose a lure, tear them up. The next day, you go back, try to use the same thing, and they don't want. They don't even look at it.
1: Well, see, that's what I'm saying. You know, I went from New York to PA, and I couldn't catch them down there. to PA. So I was going back the next weekend, which was this weekend, Thursday and Friday, and I ended up, you know. Uh, switching my technique, um, I I ended up using bait down there with salmon eggs, Mm -hmm. and I ended up catching my limit both days that I was down
0: there. Yeah, that's caviar to them, though. They can't resist those salmon eggs.
1: Yeah, but if I come up here to New York and and use salmon eggs up here on these stocky streams, I won't catch nothing.
0: What's so funny is this one time I was fly fishing up in North Carolina. I caught a couple small brookies. And all of a sudden this bigger guy just comes walking down the road beside me and he had a he had his limit on a stringer. And I asked him, I was like, Man, what you using? And he had a regular rod, of course, but he said a can of corn. Now that is illegal in Georgia. You're not supposed to, but I don't know what it is. They just can't resist that little kernel of corn.
1: Yeah, well, that's the same way up there in PA, you could use corn up there and, and they nail it, you know, and the salmon eggs that I used in PA, they're salmon eggs. But it has the it has on the label corn. it's not corn, but it's corn
0: color yeah, that's and, why I and, use that little you know those little jars of power bait. yeah I'll take a couple of them and I'll just form it into like a little corn kernel and I'll throw it out there and it man they nail it there too and it's yeah. just regular old fish bait
1: yep
0: but yeah, that's really so, awesome now so
1: uh, anyway, I, just, anyway I, I I thought the reason why you called me was. Because
0: of turkey. I know, right? That's why I was just about to get into it. <laughs> talk a little, t- uh, talk about the thunder chicken here. So, uh, yeah. if you want, when did you kind of get into turkey hunting? We'll go in the past and move our way forward.
1: I got into turkey hunting back, way back
0: in the early 80s. Uh-huh. Did we lose
1: you? Huh? No, uh no,
0: I'm here. Okay, <laughs> they went dark for a minute. You okay. said back in the 80s?
1: Yep, back in the early eighties.
0: Okay. Now yep. so that's for Instagram and all that stuff too, so it's pretty old school back then. What uh, kind of calls yeah. were you using?
1: Well, I um uh, I when uh, my dad got me in the turkey hunting, he had the lynch box call.
0: Uh-huh.
1: and when when I when I picked up the interest of turkey hunting, I walked you know, back then there was no you know, Sportsman Warehouse. There wasn't no Cabela's, Bath Pro. You know, your your hardware stores. Uh, so you know, had had the hunting stores in it—the the traps and the guns and turkey calls. So anyway, I walked into my local hardware store uh, looking for turkey calls, and I picked up my very first Penn Woods mouse call. All
0: right.
1: Okay, and 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 my other mouth call was, uh, you know, at that time was Quaker Boy, so oh, yeah. i I ran I ran a Quaker Boy mouth call and Pen Woods uh, mouth call. Pen Woods mm-hmm. uh, was made in Pennsylvania, Quaker Boy in New York.
0: I had a Quaker Boy box early back when we started.
1: Yeah, Quaker Boy's been around since the sixties and uh so yeah i i mean i i i bought my first my first mouth call penwoods i think it was like a buck 52 dollars a call and i would run that on school bus trying to learn how to how to run it
0: oh yeah that's uh one thing around turkey season my wife when we're riding in the car or something yeah. i usually got that turkey mouth or that turkey call in my mouth
1: yeah, yeah, well, I've been I've been divorced twice because of turkey hunt,
0: so. <laughs> oh, I heard that. Luckily, mine's pretty cool. She she tends to let me go and do as I please for the most part. As long as I got stuff around the house done, she don't care.
1: Well, that's a good thing because I haven't been lucky in that department. And at my age right now, I don't care.
0: <laughs> I heard that, man. That's why I told her, I said, for some reason you die or something or I just don't work out, I'll just go be a bush pilot in Alaska. Once the girls get grown. but uh, So, when and how far along were you into turkey hunting before you got into turkey tournament, or turkey calling tournaments?
1: So, in 1987, I was a senior in in school uh, in Galton, Pennsylvania, in the mountains of Pennsylvania, and we had a class, I forgot what it was called, but we had a class to where it was nothing but wildlife class, and you know, to give you an example of what we did in March, the Pennsylvania Fish Commission would call school and say, hey, you got any, you know, kids that want to volunteer to help us stop the stream? Yep, we all did that. We packed the lunch and we went for the day and, and met the Fish Commission and helped us screens. streams. Well, you know, come April, when all the fish stocking was done, and turkeys were gobbling in northern PA. Um, you know, our class would have a turkey calling contest, okay. and that was that was the very first time I entered a turkey calling contest. Was when I was a senior uh, in high school. Okay, and that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So. That that was that was in 1987. Well, in June of 1987, I joined the Navy and was shipped out to Connecticut. And when I got out there to Connecticut, I was, um, you know, involved in turkey hunting, uh, big time, and mm-hmm. uh, went went to the the state calling contest and met the the local. Uh, the the uh, state chapter president, and uh, and I formed a uh, I formed a, a they only had one chapter of the National Wild Turkey Federation in Connecticut, and I talked to the state president, his name was John, and uh, I formed a chapter oh. in southeast Connecticut, and and um and did the banquets did the the calling contests and at the same time i was that's when i got started in in turkey calling contests and i went to jersey massachusetts maine pennsylvania new york and got qualified to go to edgefield south carolina to compete in the grand nationals in 1990 and uh that's pretty impressive (laughs) yeah and i you know i called for i called for you know 20 25 years on the circuit
0: you know now how uh, does that work is it kind of just like you just travel around putting on a show type thing yeah
1: you know what man i tell you what i it's a lot of fun and i miss it and i wish i could do it over again it was you know when you got into turkey call and And you got serious about it. See, back then there was there was no internet, there was no Facebook. You you joined you joined the NWTF, the National Wild Church Federation, and every two months they would send you a magazine. Mm -hmm. And at the at the back of that magazine, like the last two pages, would be the upcoming coin contest state to state and you know you'd look you'd look through there you know like at that time I lived in Connecticut I'd look through there and I would see oh Maine's having their contest on April 4th you know and then New Jersey they're having their contest on April 6th and then California is having their contest on May 1st or whatever Mm -hmm. you got all your you got all your information uh, on your calling contest on that magazine through the NWTF, and cool. and you you know you would call, you know they like you know New Jersey they would have New Jersey let's say April six and a phone number and a person contact you call them up and say hey, you know you have a contest on April six you know I, I want to come down compete in the open what's the calls and he'd give you the you know, the, the five calls that they were going to have in the calling contest. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, for weeks, for weeks, I would practice those calls and then boom.
0: Now, how would, would they do... judge you? Is it just like an expert listening to you to make sure you hit the right, I guess, frequency or right tone?
1: Well, that, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing about calling contests is the judging. Okay. Um. <laughs> everybody always, always complain about the judges because, you know, you go to a sanctioned, uh calling contest and the guy who is running that calling contest would, he would get the judges. There'd be, normally there'd be five judges. And, you know, and, and a lot of these judges were not, we're not, uh, should I say, professional callers. They were just turkey hunters. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like you and me. If you and I hunted turkey, turkeys for the last 20 years, you came up to the cabin, jumped in my truck all the time for the last 20 years, and 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 I was like, damn, bud, you know, you've got a good yelp. Yeah, that sounds like turkey. Well, I would take that back, to the calling contest and if anybody sounded like you i would score them high. okay and that that, that's always been the problem people people want you know the judges when they're back behind that curtain or that wall they're you know i don't want to hit any nerves or anything but a lot of those judges they don't know what a real turkey sounds like they don't know what they're looking for what they should be looking for
0: yeah i can understand that
1: yeah you understand and 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 so i mean a wild turkey a wild hen turkey she can get up on stage and she she could she could come in last place or she could come in first
0: yeah you know i've heard them make all sorts of range of sounds and not every single one of them are the same
1: Yeah, well, the the judging the competition has kind of have done a three sixty, you know, it's or a one eighty. It's kind of flipped because now a lot of your judges have the experience and they know what a real turkey should sound like, and so when the caller gets up on stage, you know, they're they're listening to that real sound. And they're and they're scoring, it. so. But you know, as long as you have humans, you know, judging the contest, you're always going to have some errors. Oh,
0: one hundred percent.
1: I mean, I'll tell you this right now: thirty years ago, forty years ago, when I got in the competition, uh, and I, and and I've gotten up on stage and did not win or got low scores. I, I I got mad. And I've seen some guys get really mad. And mm-hmm. now, 30, 40 years later, I look back and I'm like, you know what? You shouldn't have got mad because you did not sound like a turkey. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and plus, you had judges that absolutely have no idea uh, what, what a real turkey sounded like because well, you know, when somebody yelped or they clocked, they 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 judged that person on what their body sounded like or what they thought a turkey should sound like when they had no clue. Yeah. You know, so it it's it's tough. And you know, I I, I know some of these guys. I know Matt Van Sice. I don't. You ever heard of Matt Van Sice?
0: Can't say that I have.
1: Oh, Well. Matt VanSyce, he just won the Grand Nationals again this year. He's a seven-time Grand National champion.
0: Damn. So he's pretty good. I'll check him out.
1: Well, yeah, Matt VanSyce, he's also like a five, six-time world champion turkey caller. Um, If anybody sounds like a turkey, it's Matt VanSyce. He comes close. Damn. You know, I mean, uh, have you heard of Paul Buskey?
0: No man. <laughs> nope. Uh,
1: man, you are you are uh you are green when it comes to this more.
0: Yeah, I, I mean? just never paid attention to the turkey circuit. Turkey circuit for sure. <laughs> I well, heard new about man. it, but I never really paid attention.
1: You got, you know, you got Paul Paul Bosky, Ben Roger Lee, Chris Kirby, you know, Jim Pollard, um uh, uh Matt Vance, Matt um uh, Matt Moret. You know, I mean, I called against uh, these guys. I've called against the best, and the, these guys are good. Mm-hmm. You know, and but I'm telling you right now, that the most decorative caller in the world, and probably will never, uh, they'll never beat his record in my lifetime, is Matt Van
0: That's pretty mm-hmm. impressive to do that. Be that good.
1: Yeah. He's, he, he, he won his seven uh, grand nationals this year.
0: Damn. That's crazy. (laughs) Now let me ask you this kind of from where you started hunting turkeys to now, what's some differences you see in the population?
1: Oh, the population is, is definitely going downhill big time. Um, in the United States, it's Mm -hmm. not just one area. It's in the United States. It's, you know, when I started turkey hunting in the 80s in Pennsylvania Pennsylvania is, is known for you know it's turkey hunting. I mean when I hunted, you know you didn't hear turkey's gobble on every mouth but at the same time you didn't you didn't see a bunch of hunters. I you know in Pennsylvania back at that time if if I ran into three turkey hunters, you know that I was lucky. You uh-huh. know, but now, now you, you run into a hundred turkey hunters and, you know, and now we got, we got less turkeys. Yeah. Got, you know, it, it's just, uh, it's, uh.
0: Well, there's a lot of factors that contribute to it, contribute to it for sure.
1: Yeah. You know, we, the, the two biggest factors that contribute to, uh, the declining, population of wild turkey in the united states is habitat loss and the weather and uh, you know then after that you got the fur bears mm. and and other things a lot of guys think that the coyote and the fur bears are number one that that is not the case and it's it's the it's the weather and the loss of habitat and you know when i was a youngster back in the 80s i i heard my parents and and my parents' buddies, you know, when they came over, and when it was deer season and turkey season, they always talked about a loss of habitat. That they were losing, you know, we, you know, we're not, we don't have the deer like we used to because of the loss of habitat. And, and I'm sitting back there listening, and I'm thinking, what loss of habitat? I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, how, how do you know what? what those guys are talking about when you're 12, 14 years old. Yeah. You don't. Hey, there's adults
0: nowadays that don't know what you're talking about. They don't realize what's going on.
1: Yeah. And since I've been hunting for 40 years or more, you know, you know, that, that, when they were saying that I was 12, 14 years old. Well, now I'm 54 and I, I totally understand what they're talking about. Loss of habitat, because, in the last forty years, when I started turkey hunting till now, I see the loss of habitat. What those, what what you know, my dad and everybody was talking about back in the eighties. Mm-hmm. You know, since the beginning of time, we man when man has has stepped on on the face of Earth to hunt animals, and and every year went by, we every year that went by we got rid of habitat you know i mean look at the cities you know look at new york city new york city wasn't there at one time
0: That's probably prime hunting too
1: (laughs) yeah you know take san francisco san francisco wasn't there at one time Mm -hmm. you know los angeles wasn't there at one time houston wasn't there at one time they you know these cities formed, well, you know, when you when you go in with bulldozers and backhoes and everything else, excavators, and to make a city, to make a town, you're clearing, you're clearing dirt, you're clearing trees, everything to make buildings. Well, not just well, the, even the
0: agriculture too, you're cutting down trees to farm fields to feed them cities. That's a I mean, that's another thing too.
1: Well, the farmers today they got to clear more land to make a better living because they're losing money. Oh look yeah. At, There's not I'll see how look, they do it.
0: There's no money in it.
1: Look at all, you know, since Biden took over, uh, the presidency, look at all the immigrants, that are flooding into this country. Well, yeah. all those, all those immigrants, all those immigrants need a place to live. Yep. You know, you know, if, if, let, let me just say this. Now, you know, I'm just running numbers out of my mouth. But let's say there's 5 million people in this country. And 5 million people. So there's 5 million houses, okay? Now, you let 2 million uh, immigrants into this, into this country. Now, we got to build 2 million more houses, oh, yeah. okay, for, for them to live. Well, where's, where's that 2 million houses coming from? Well, the farmers and stuff are going to sell property and they're going to bulldoze more woods and more fields to make 2 million more houses for 2 million more immigrants to live in. Yeah, that's that's, how, we're, that's it, how we're losing habitat for a wildlife.
0: Yeah, because down here, man, they'll take premium hardwoods and, I mean, cut it down just to put planted pines there. and. It,
1: well, I, yeah, I, I hunted Georgia for 10 years, and I hunted. I got a friend of mine who's turkey hunting right now who's from Georgia. He he lives in, uh, oh, God, Penna, Pennaville, Georgia.
0: Pennaville. I ain't never heard of it. Where's that at, in North Georgia?
1: Uh, No, that's south. That's southeast of uh, Atlanta.
0: Well, damn, he might uh, be close to me then. I'll have to check that out.
1: He's about an hour Hours south of Atlanta, southeast, yeah. You ever heard of uh, the Beaver Dam WMA?
0: No, I have not, but I've been, like I say, traveling for work on my roots. I've seen a lot of WMAs I'm planning on checking out.
1: Yeah, I, I hunted, when I went down there, I hunted the, the Beaver Dam WMA and Tuckahoe. Tuckahoe WMA. They're, they're the two WMAs. Well, the 10 years that i was down there i mean george is beautiful i oh, love george
0: yeah. george is very diverse i will i mean you can yeah. be in the mountains for my spot in four hours yeah. and i can be on the coast in two i love yeah it. I,
1: I love the swamps down there yes you know? and, besides the mosquitoes
0: and, but other than that
1: <laughs> well when i was down there they were they were cutting no swamps they were those no i mean you got cypress trees bigger than I could put my arms around. Oh yeah, hardwoods. man.
0: Especially on the, the like on the rivers down here. Like you said, it'd take four yeah. or five men to wrap around the base.
1: Yeah, and the turkeys were turkeys were in there, but every year that I went down there, they were cutting those they were going into those WMAs and they were cutting those hardwoods down there in them swamps and then they plant pine trees. And I told I asked my buddy down there who lives, his name's Dean, Dean Lindsay I asked Dean, I said, Dean, what's going on down here? He said, state's coming down in here, they're cutting all our WMAs, and they're planting pine trees, because pine trees are the fastest-growing trees. Yeah. To own, yeah. You know, and they get their paper product. It
0: only takes but, like 15 years, I think, for the, whether they're harvestable or even seven. It's a quick turnaround see, for certain trees.
1: But see, this is, this is what I'm saying. This is part. This is just part of the lost habitat, okay? You you, you, take, you take a WMA, beautiful hardwood swamp, cypress trees down there. You got turkeys and deer up the yin-yang down there, and they're thriving and they're doing good. You go in there and you cut those swamps down, those trees down, and you plant on trees down there, you know, to where the deer and turkey, you know, don't do good in that habitat. Well, there's nothing for don't, them to eat.
0: No, I mean, there's no acorns yeah, or nothing that's, like
1: that. That's, that's a loss of habitat. You know, and, and you, you know, the the liberals, the Democrats, they don't see that. They, You know, the, the Democrats and liberals are like, oh, yeah, well, we're going to go down here, we're going to cut this swamp, and we're going to plant trees in there. Yeah, you're planting the wrong freaking trees down there.
0: Uh, for the turkeys and deer yeah yeah i understand yeah, but- that because that's i had a wma that we cut our teeth on hunting especially turkey hunting when me and my dad started together and the best side of it they ended up selling to some farmer and you can't even go on it anymore and it just sucks the dma or the wma is a piece of shit now they put up a bunch of gates you can't get to old spots where we used to hunt so i just kind of wrote it off my list
1: well, see, that's 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 a part of lost habitat, yeah. you know. And, and, you know, the thing, I don't know if it's going on down there in the south, Georgia, Alabama, but up here in the northeast, what I have seen in the last 20 years is the farmers, they, they're not, you know, 20 years ago, all the farmers up here would, would spread cow manure out here in the fields, which was great for mm-hmm. turkeys but in the last 20 years they've gone for, they, they they they've gone from spreading cow manure to liquid cow yeah manure.
0: artificial uh fertilizer and
1: that, and that that's killing our birds
0: that, yes that, we actually georgia they turned back a law where certain farmer or where farmers can't use a certain cotton insecticide because it yep. was taking out the cottontail population and the lightning bugs and it's well, been about so, four or five years, and there's rabbits and lightning bugs everywhere now.
1: Yeah, see, and I thought about that too last week. I thought because i I drove past I drove past a couple fields where the farmer was out there spreading liquid cow manure, and I thought, you know, how can the state or the government tell them guys not to do it? And the problem is, I don't. I don't know if they can because you know you got a farm who's trying to make a living because the taxes have gone up, the price of fuel is going up, food is going up. So,
0: dude, the farm was diesel eating. was seven fifty in California. I don't see how yeah. them people are even living out there.
1: Well, see, that's what I'm saying. the The private sector, like the private farmer, he needs to change his ways to 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 you know cut that cost. Now he's not thinking, oh, well, I'm not gonna do this because it's gonna hurt the wild turkey or it's gonna hurt the deer on my farm. It's nothing but numbers
0: and money. I mean that's is what it is. They gotta make that dollar.
1: Right. He's trying to make that dollar to feed his family. And and that's the thing. See it all comes down to the government and the state government, you know, they keep raising taxes and keep, you know, doing this shit, uh, for the, for, you know, to hurt us guys. And, you know, like the farmers, they got to change. And when they change their way of farming, it's hurting our wildlife. Yeah, It's hurting our wildlife.
0: Cause all the stuff they spray runs off in the streams. They drink it. And, you know, I mean, it ain't good for them. It can't be, and it ain't good for us to be eating it either. That's why all yeah. this uptick in cancers and all that stuff is coming around now.
1: Exactly. The problem is, the problem is, the problem is, there is too many people in this country. That's the problem. We yeah. have overpopulated ourselves. Now, it's just like this.
0: Well, if I'll say this. I think there's too many sheep in this country. If well, everybody was actually salt of the earth and and learned to take care of themselves it would it would be fine but right now especially after covid everybody's too damn dependent on big daddy
1: if you have if you have a 300 acre farm and you don't you don't manage the deer herd on that farm and you know they, they they can end up starving to death especially if you have you know uh, a fall season to where you got no acorns no beech no cherry Mm -hmm. in the hardwoods you didn't plant anything out there in the field the deer that you got on on your farm have to eat the bark off the trees yeah we had a season like
0: that a couple years back man the deer deer killing record was way down
1: yeah when they're when they're eating bark off the trees then you've got a higher risk of your wildlife getting a disease it's just like us mm-hmm. if we don't if we don't eat healthy we are more acceptable of getting a disease it's the same way with wildlife yeah for sure you, know, you you have to manage that land you know in order to have a healthy deer herd okay yeah. and it's the same way with the human population and in and in, in this country i feel that we are so overpopulated that, you know, this is why we have diseases. This is why we have recalls on meat and, and stuff like that. We got too many people in this country. We got too many people on the planet. And it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse.
0: Well, that's just and, well, that's because they, the the way of living is too easy now. You don't have to yes. leave your house. You can order food. You can be a total yes. recluse, be white as a ghost. And you don't have to have any person or people to people contact. And that's not how life's supposed to live. You're supposed to go out forage kind of, I mean, life's about suffering. That's the way I look at it. And it makes you appreciate the good times.
1: You're absolutely right. You're absolutely 100% right, man.
0: And like we're even getting into what I'll call the social media effect on how the population of the hunter itself is getting more or is getting out there more which ain't a bad thing because we need all the people we can with PETA and the rest of them that are against hunters but sometimes it can be done for the wrong reasons and that can hurt a population as well
1: yeah and i'll give you one example i was thinking about it today i know a lot of people would argue with me on this uh but i'm sticking to my guns um the youth hunt hunt, i think is a joke. I, I've taken I've taken several kids out on the Utah. Now the Utah for deer and turkey. Okay, the Utah. The primary reason, so they said, was to get more to get more of these kids involved in the hunt. Okay, now listen, I you know I I'm all for that. Okay, I'm all for that. I don't think the Utah uh, is it, it, a thing to do that because. And my reason why is because I've taken several kids out youth hunting. Uh, I've I've taken this one kid out for three years in a row. He killed gobblers up underneath me three years in a row. And then when he wasn't uh, able to hunt the youth season no more because he became an adult, uh, I ran into him two years later. And asked him, you know, hey, you go turkey hunting? How'd you do turkey hunting? He never went turkey hunting again yeah. uh, after I took him. Um, and and I see a lot of these kids not hunting after they've already done the Utah. Now, you know, and I looked at that, and I looked at my situation back when I grew up in the '70s and '80s. Um, Uh, I went to Hunter's education course in Pennsylvania and I was, I was like a kid on Christmas Eve when deer season came around in Pennsylvania.
0: Oh man, that's how I am. I mean, that's the highlight of my year.
1: Yeah. And and I absolutely loved it. We had no youth hunt back then. Mm -hmm. And here I am. I'm 54 and I still make all my decisions on life. Um, um, you know, I make those decisions uh, for for hunting, yeah. you, know, cause it, you know, and so I see these kids, they open up youth season, I see these kids getting involved in the youth taunt before the adults do, which is great, because the wildlife is not being pressured, and it's kind of easier hunting, but then when they can't youth hunt no more, they're not doing it. So to me, the Utah is a freaking joke.
0: Well, it can be. And I think that comes down to is there the people that have mentoring them aren't sparking the fire in the right way. They're not, I don't know how to put it. I don't know. I'm just trying to make a point, trying to formulate it, but I can't even think right now.
1: (laughs) Well, I think think because I had my own experience, and like I told you, I was a I was like a kid on Christmas Eve the night before uh, Pennsylvania deer season opened. I think that it doesn't matter if you have a youth season or not. It, you know, it has to be in you. It yeah. has to be in you. If That's what I'm talking about,
0: you, that spark. That's what I was trying to get at.
1: You know, if it's not in you and you go out with your dad or your uncle and kill a gobbler, you, so what? The kid's gonna be like, yeah, I killed a guy. Who cares? So, yeah. you know, it, you know, I come on, you know, I, you know what? Yeah, you, you know what? If I gotta get up at four o'clock in the morning and go out there and sit in the blind over decoys in the dark and and it's cold out, I'd rather be in bed. It's not in you.
0: Yeah. See, it's I was lucky you. enough when me and my dad started, cause he was a big fisherman and all that, but he really we got into hunting at the same time and we learned the hard way we wake up early we'd have to drive about an hour and a half two hours to go hunt a spot or a wma that was worth hunting and and then throw a 50 pound climber on your back and walk a mile or two in so we through that i feel like i've learned to earn my respect and we didn't kill animals all the time i mean there's some seasons i'd see deer but i didn't kill shit so
1: you loved that
0: that. oh yeah that's what i'm saying even going back to that moose hunt man yeah, I want I could have my legs crackling under me, but, but God, I'd be like, I love this shit. That's just me. But,
1: well, it's like me last week when I was out there on the trout stream. My, I couldn't feel my fingertips. <laughs> They've
0: they, been there.
1: They, they were they were numb <laughs> and they were in pain. But I I wouldn't go back to the vehicle to warm my hands up because I wanted to catch that.
0: Yeah. I, it,
1: it, you gotta stay angry. hard.
0: That's the only way you're gonna stay above ground too.
1: Yeah, it's got to be in you. And so I don't – this youth hunt, to me, I used to believe in the youth hunt. Now, after I've seen it, I don't believe in it.
0: Yeah, I, I think I, they should just make know, an open season, and if you take one, that's, I mean, that should be good enough.
1: Look, I'm going to tell you something. Hunting is not for everybody. It's not. Okay? And every kid that, that is born today is not going to be a hunter.
0: By the time I'm fifty, say, there's gonna be—I'll be surprised if hunting's not an archaic thing because it's on the fast track right now.
1: Yeah, exactly. I—I I don't care. I don't care if you're born today. If 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 it's not in you, it's not in you. It doesn't freaking matter. And, and but I'll tell you, it all comes down to how we're living today. Like we was talking earlier, you know, our taxes are higher than they ever been Peep mom and dad. They got to work two jobs. They can't spend time with the kids and you know, a lot of those kids don't get to spend time with mom and dad out in the field. You know, they're inside playing video games cause mom and dad it's got to go out and work two jobs to, yep. to pay the taxes on the plate. Yeah, but, man. You know, if you want, I'll tell you this right now, you want more kids, you want more people in the honey? Cut back our goddamn taxes.
0: Amen to Cut that. Cut back
1: to the cost of living.
0: They need that's to, and it could be that way. They just, everybody's gotten greedy, and they're trying to make as much money as they can.
1: That's exactly right. It all comes down to money, and it all comes down to politics, and that's why this world is going to, going to hell in a handbasket. Especially
0: with WW3 on the doorstep. It's hopefully the great awakening will happen before anything bad happens. But like we were saying earlier, I believe it's going to get a little bit more Western before things start to come back.
1: That's exactly right, brother. Because America
0: hasn't been, hasn't been scared or afraid since. I mean, I'd say nine 11 /11 was a time that we woke up, but America our American people have amnesia. They tend to forget stuff. As long as they got the blinders on. They're good. As long as they can get their Starbucks. They're okay. Yeah. Just we have not suffered as a country in a very long time, and that's why I'm afraid yep. Putin's going to knock one into us. And they can say, "Oh no, nah, whatever." I mean, Russians are getting their ass kicked over there right now. But fuck, I don't want them coming down my fucking street. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Well, Putin, Putin, he he crossed that line. He's going to fucking use nukes yeah. if he has to. He you don't. Know, this is the beginning of World War Three. And, and it just hasn't started
0: here yeah not you know, yet at
1: 9 9 11 like you said 9 11 we woke up but then a few years later we fell back asleep
0: yeah i just to me i remember watching, sitting in my classroom i want to say i was in like fourth grade one of our teachers come in screaming said turn on the tv and we watched the second plane hit the trade towers I'll were never you, forget it.
1: You were you in school?
0: Yes, I was in elementary school when it happened, elementary and I remember school? it. Elementary school? Yes. I'm only 29, <laughs> man. I'm still a young'un.
1: That's funny, because I was, I was, uh, I think I was 30 years old when that happened. I was in, <laughs> I was in Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio, when that happened that morning. I yeah. was building this place. I was building my log cabin when that happened.
0: Damn. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's just—it's crazy to think The country's, or for my lifetime, the country has been at war for over half of it, more than half. Well,
1: but, it's a, the it's a politicians. It is. It, it's the politicians, and that's what's ruining this country. I mean, look what's going on with you know down there on the southern border. I mean, we're so goddamn screwed. And funny with the southern border down there. I don't care. I you know I you know and, and you can't. You know I mean I watch Fox every day. And some people get on me because I watch Fox. You need turn channel. You know, but I care what's going on with the country. But I also, look, I'm 54. I got 14 more years till I retire. You know what? I'm going to live the rest of my life. I'm going home.
0: Yeah, I'm man, you can't live... live in fear. Until they're making you kneel yeah. down on the street, which it will not come to that point for me, don't worry about it. That's the way I try to live my life.
1: Yeah. Stay I mean, informed
0: I'm... and definitely know what's going on but that's don't
1: exactly let it affect right. you. Yeah, that's exactly right, man. You can't. You got You got to live your life. You know, that's why I'm all already. You know, I want to go back to Alaska. I'm planning that trip because I want to kill a sheep, and I'm just going to keep hunting here from my house. We're supposed to be going to, to Wyoming this this coming October. If we get gone, I don't know. We'll find out next month. Are y'all it's elk hunting? No, we're going out for uh, my my biggest thing. I have always wanted to kill was an antelope. So we oh yeah we're doing we're doing uh antelope and uh and mule deer combination hunt out wild.
0: Badass man, are y'all just getting a guide or are y'all going out in public land?
1: No, we got a guide because we we got a guide. It's a five day hunt, uh five day hunt, Sweet. um out wild. And then when I get back. Then when I get back, I'm doing nothing for the next two years, planning my sheep hunt for Alaska.
0: See, that's what I consider the pinnacle of my career, is when that's I go those, and hunt one of them suckers down.
1: Yeah, I, I'm going to go up there. I'm going to do sheep hunt, but I'm also going to buy a grizzly bear tag.
0: Black bear, too.
1: No, I got two black bears and a grizz, and I've always wanted a bear rug, so mm-hmm. I'm getting a bear rug.
0: I've always—that's what I want to kill one too. This is actually decent size. If I can get a grizzly bear rug, that'd be a pretty nice box to check. Yeah,
1: yeah I want, I want. You know, I figure if I go up there, my target date is twenty twenty four. I go up there and shoot sheep. I get that right size mounted, uh, put up here between my two windows up my cabin, so he's looking down in the living room. I shoot <laughs> a grizz, grizzly bear, and then. I, I, to be honest with you, I don't care if I ever goddamn hunt again. I'm
0: yeah, not. that's I want to hunt about every big game animal I can in North America. Would that be bow, rifle, whatever? I just yeah. want to go and experience the continent of North America because it is the most diverse continent on the planet, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, that's why we're doing that October hunt because I want an antelope and I want a mule deer in this cabin. I go back up to Alaska, I get my sheep, and I get my grizzly bear rug, you know, I got I'll, I'll get my moose on the fireplace here next month. All my white okay, tails yeah. and my turkeys. I'm done. I'm done. It, the world can go ahead and fight itself. I'm just going to sit here in <laughs> my cabin.
0: They just I, sip your beer and dude, enjoy it by the fire.
1: Dude, when I got up, I slept in this morning. You know what time sleeping in in the morning is for me?
0: If it's like for me, it's about 6 o'clock when my youngest wakes up.
1: Between 5 and 6, 6 o'clock, I wake up. We're early, wake up. early risers in this
0: family. We try to get up and get that yeah. worm.
1: <laughs> That's exactly. Well, I got up at 6 o'clock, came up here, made a pot of coffee. Coffee got done. It was five minutes after 6, getting laid out. I stepped out on the porch. I had five birds gobble behind the cabin.
0: I was just about to ask you this. I was like, do you live next to a reserve or something to have that flock <laughs> walking through your driveway?
1: Well, no, I live right in the perfect spot, man. I got state land behind me, and I got two farms to the right of me and to the left of me. Oh, I just sweet. Live, I, I live in turkey. I I had nine bucks in my yard last month. Nine bucks in my yard. You know they didn't have the antlers, but yeah. you could tell that they they dropped. I mean, I got deer and turkey in my yard like crazy.
0: See, that's like a yeah. that's one of my dreams, just to have a cabin up in the mountains somewhere. That's like I say, hunting land close. That'd be it for me,
1: <laughs> dude. When I when I was in the Navy, nineteen eighty seven, I got shipped out there to Connecticut. So I was hunting Connecticut, and Connecticut's close to New York, the mm-hmm. Catskills. Well, so I I I'd tag out in Connecticut. Well, then I'd have the rest of the month to go over to the Catskills in New York to hunt. So I would drive all the way over there to hunt the weekend and when I got over there to New York, I'm like, Oh my god. You know what I want? I wanna I wanna build a cabin in the mountains of New York. New York is absolutely beautiful.
0: Oh, I hear Close that. It. I wanna me and my wife have always talked about planning a trip, driving from here and going all the way up to Maine and I mean get making myself flat sick on lobster rolls. <laughs> yeah, abs,
1: abs, absolutely. Right, you know, so, and, and that's exactly what I did. You know, 30 years later, 20, 30 years later, I built me a cabin up here in the mountains of New York, and I got deer and turkey. Yeah, I got turkeys gobbling behind the house every morning right now.
0: That's awesome. That's yeah. how my uncle, he's got a cabin around Hill in Georgia. That's why we stay around there a lot. He's a good jumping spot. There's a couple of WMAs I plan on hunting this year around there. So I'm super excited to get there and try and walk around the hills. It's steep, and it's going to suck pulling a deer out. But like I said, I'll have a grin on my face.
1: <laughs> well, you figure, you know, that, that's like me. I a lot of times when I kill deer back up in here behind the house, way up on top, I'll quarter them out. Yes, that's, them I tend backyard. to do that now. Yeah, or use a game cart. I got a game cart. I'll wheel back there and throw deer on the game cart and wheel back to the truck.
0: Yes, those you things know? are a lifesaver. Quick story, one like time it. I walked about seven miles back up there. It was, about, it was in Forsyth, Georgia. It's a national wildlife refuge that we hit up every year or try to because it's got amazing whitetail. If you can ever plan a hunt down here, I would like for you to come because it would be awesome. But that we were, great. I was so far back there, and the vines were so thick. The game cart was getting stuck. We ended up just making the litter and hanging that dough from a stick from shoulder to shoulder, and somehow we hit a time warp in the woods or something, and we ended up by the truck. Because we and dad were about fighting because he was like, quit pushing and quit pulling. We were about had enough of it. Somehow we look up the hill and the truck's like right there. (laughs) Just stuff like that. It makes it fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well, man, we had definitely got an hour on this podcast and uh, I appreciate you taking the time. And like I say, the door is always open for you to come on. If you want to plug yourself or anybody can find you on Facebook or Instagram, if you want to give a shout out, you can.
1: I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, it's just me. I You know, I build mouth calls for Keystone uh, calls, call company up here. They're a local call company up here in New York, and I build calls for them. And they're out. The crew is out in Montana right now. They're they're hunting Montana, and next week they're heading down to Oklahoma.
0: What are they hunting out in Montana?
1: They're hunting turkey right now
0: sweet man that's why i got a buddy out in wyoming he's actually guiding for turkeys this season i he told me i said next year buddy i'm gonna be definitely hitting you up
1: yeah they're they're they started uh they flew out yesterday they they started hunting today and and i guess they're gonna be hunting till next wednesday and then next thursday uh they're flying down to oklahoma and they'll be down there for close to a week and uh kill some turkeys down there in oklahoma and then they'll they'll fly back home here to new york
0: yeah see but i wouldn't yeah, mind like I, I said if i was doing that kind of stuff i wouldn't mind the flying
1: well <laughs> you you look them you look them up if you're in the turkey hunt and turkey calling you know uh you can order you can order some of the mouth calls because i build their mouth calls
0: okay yeah, yeah i definitely will and like i say i'm always gonna learn more that's one thing yeah. i am always learning I never consider myself an expert at all
1: <laughs> yeah well I don't either but I mean you know the older you get the more experience you get yeah you, I mean I can get it done say. now
0: if I can I could definitely call me a bird in and i oh I'm sure you care my, for myself I've learned I take a more subtle approach I used to be kind of yelled or yeah real loud yelper but now I just barely enough just to burp, burp, i mean just a clucking yep. and that's tends to bring them in more.
1: Well, hey, listen, you know, I uh, you know, I don't consider myself an expert. I've killed close to 200 birds or so, and I've killed I don't know how many deer. And, you know, last year we had a podcast on my Alaskan hunt. I never went to Alaska, but from the experience, you know, the 30, 40 some years of experience, you know, and I wanted to do this Alaskan trip. I, you know, you put that experience to work for you Mm -hmm. and you know, you know what to ask, you know what to look for. And, you know, I did that and I went up to Alaska and I was very successful, uh, on my hunt up there in Alaska. And, you know, that'll be the same way with you or anybody that's in this sport. You know, the, 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 the older you get, the more experience you get. I mean, None of us go up to Alaska to do a hunt like that, unless, you know, we're millionaires. Yeah, and it ain't
0: cheap. They, not you know, if, we, bit.
1: If, if we're millionaires, we can do it in our 20s, and we're stupid, and we don't know anything. Yep. But usually, usually the people that go up to Alaska are in their 50s and 60s. They've got 40, 50 years experience of hunt.
0: Yep, and that's. I'm looking for my late 40s where I still got a little bit of fire in me. If I, I mean, if it's the 50s, all well, but I'm trying to hit that sucker late in my 40s if I can.
1: Yeah, and and and, and you know, when you get up there like I was, you know what to look for, and that's why I had a successful hunt because you know, from 40 years of of hunting down here in the lower 48s, I knew what to ask. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew what to do. You know. And, well, that's, that
0: kind of goes along with the thought I had when I went out to California. The common thread of an outdoorsman, it goes through it goes through this entire country. I mean, i meeting these people because I went to visit the uh, manufacturing facility to where they manufactured our drill bits and stuff because I work for a company that deals with horizontal drilling now. Yeah. And everybody was nice, but sure enough, I found a couple rednecks out there in California. Man, we had a great conversation. Like, we were just buddies. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. It's just yep. cool that you can relate to somebody like that, and they're on the complete opposite end of the country, just through hunting or something like that.
1: Well, one thing that you'll learn, there's rednecks everywhere. Yes. know, <laughs> yeah, Even up there in Alaska, there's rednecks.
0: They're a little bit more than a redneck, I think. They got a harsher country.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're good
0: old boys. For sure. Well, man, I really appreciate you taking time. I'll let you go to enjoy the rest of your Saturday evening, but definitely stay in touch. The door is always open for you to come on the podcast.
1: Okay, I appreciate it. You'll put that on my Facebook, won't you?
0: Oh, yes, I will. I'll tag you in it for Okay, sure.
1: buddy. I appreciate it, man, and good hearing from you and good talking to
0: you. You too, man. You have a good rest of your season.
1: Okay, you too, buddy. Bye.
0: Thank you. Bye.